Hey, that was good. You know, sometimes new songs are hard because, well, they're new and we don't know them. It takes a while to get to know them. But what great words to that song, right? He's in the water. He's in the battle. He's in the fire. And uh, what great, great thoughts and really have to do with what I want to talk to you about this morning. Now, the great philosopher Forrest Gump once said, he really was, great philosopher Forrest Gump once said, Life is like a bunch of boxes of chocolates. Why? Because you never know what you're going to get. Forrest said that's what his mama always said. Life is like a box of chocolates because you never know what you're going to get. Well, guess what? My experience is that Forrest or Mama One or both were absolutely right. You never really know what you're going to get. And sometimes what we get is not particularly pleasing to us nor what we want nor what we expected particularly when we are new to the Christian walk, particularly when we're new to the Christian faith, or maybe even if we've been there a while. My point is this, sometimes we think or we have equated the fact that our troubles are because God is mad at us, and so when we get right with God, he's no longer mad at us and everything's going to be great. The problem is that is just theologically incorrect. And the problem is that doesn't always work. And so at times we who are believers in Christ and particularly new believers sometimes struggle with the fact that even after we come to faith in Christ, we still have struggles in life. And sometimes things just aren't fair. So the question is, are we going to finish strong? Are we going to quit? Everybody can start strong, but very few can finish well. The 1984 Olympics in Los Angeles, I, I know most of you in here, many of you weren't able to uh, view it then, uh, but I was, and I remember those Olympics, and I remember one particular moment that stands out to me the most. The, the runner's name was Gabrielle. She was a USA, representing the USA in the women's marathon. It was the first Olympic women's marathon. And the reason I remember the race is not because she won. It's, it's not because of, of anything spectacular that happened. It was the finish of the race. Do you remember it? Anybody remember it? Gabrielle enters into the Olympic Stadium after running 26-some miles for her final 400 lap around the track. The problem was that by then, she was dehydrated, she was cramping, she had severe issues and barely could run into the stadium. She came into the stadium, and as she entered the track, or got onto the track for the last time around, she was stumbling, almost crawling, no way she's going to finish. Doctors and medical teams were there. They would come running out to her, and she would push them aside. She'd wave them off. Friends would come out trying to encourage her, let me help you. She'd push them off, knowing that if anybody touched her, she's disqualified. Race is done. Took her six minutes to make that last 400 meters. But she crossed the finish line to an incredible ovation of cheers. Now, the cheers were not because she won the race. The cheers were because she finished strong in spite of the adversity that she faced. I don't know about you, but stories like that, scenes like that inspire me to want to finish strong. I want to finish. I, I know what we started. I want to finish the race well. I want to finish 
the journey. I want to cross the finish line if I'm limping or however that may be. Little did I know that that would work out in my life, live out in real life in my life because of the first half marathon I attempted. I remember, I'm thinking, I'm finishing if nothing else. And I remember at the 12th mile how my legs began to cramp and begin to, I'm thinking, I'll never finish. I'll never finish. But I had friends come along. Michelle came along uh, and, and helped me and others and encouraged me to finish along. And I remember the last hundred yards, I was cramping in both legs legs and I'm thinking I'll never finish I, I just want to sit down but somehow I crossed the line and then fell out but anyway crossed the line amen what are we going to do to finish strong because things do happen and life is not always a bed of roses even after coming to faith in Christ well, the Apostle Paul, we've been looking at for some time now, the entire month of August, we've been talking about his life and, and what happened when he converted or came to Christ in faith. And, and the first steps, we've been looking carefully at the first steps that he took, hoping to help some of us who need to take some baby steps of faith or need to take some steps in our faith journey. What do we do? Where do we go? How do we do? Well, Paul found out quickly that life is still difficult even after seeing Christ. You remember he was on the road to Damascus. If you've missed, I'd encourage you to go back and pick up the podcast or maybe you can at least read along in your Bible. Acts chapter 9 is where it's found. And in Acts chapter 9, we saw that Paul met Jesus on a road to Damascus, was incredibly, amazingly converted to Christian faith, dropped his, his claims of Judaism and, and pressed toward Christianity. And what did he do? He went on to Damascus, and there in Damascus, the first thing he did was he got baptized. And we talked about that. Secondly, remember, he joined himself to the, bot, to the believers in the town. He joined himself to the other Christians, the other Christ followers in Damascus. And we talked about the importance of that, that after we're baptized, we come to faith, it's important to find a group of believers that we can connect with, a church family. And even, even, even drilling down more to a small group, a, a group of people that can, we can do life with. And, and then the third thing we saw that he did is, is what? He began to tell his story. He, he immediately started telling other people about what happened to him in all the synagogues, that is, in all the gathering places. Anytime he would see people, he would tell them about this Damascus Road experience that he had. And we talked about how important it is for we who are followers of Christ to not be afraid or ashamed or shy, but to simply learn to tell our story, what happened to us, how we met Jesus face to face. Well, today, I want you to notice, I want to draw attention to one more thing, and then we're going to move to another series that A.J. will tell you about later. But, we, but this, the last thing I want you to notice about, about Paul is immediately, immediately, he began to have trouble. And the only thing that kept him moving in the race was that he regained strength, gained strength from his disciplines and from what he learned about the Lord. Let me read it in Acts chapter 9. You can follow along on the screen if you'd like, or, or, or just simply maybe in your Bible or on your phone or whatever. Look beginning with verse number, <clears throat> let's see, what is it, 22? He says, 23, I'm sorry. He says, <clears throat> all who heard him, this is talking about the ones in Damascus, all who heard him were astounded. And said, isn't this the man in Jerusalem who was causing havoc for those who called out this name and, and came here for the purpose of taking them as prisoners to the chief priests? 
Isn't this Saul the, the killer? Isn't this Saul the persecutor of the Christians? And, and now listen to him talk about Jesus. Verse 22. But Saul grew stronger and kept confounding the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah. Now, I want you to notice carefully that phrase. But Paul grew stronger. Now, interestingly, the words there, grew stronger. Remember I've told you before that the New Testament is written in the Greek language. And oftentimes, if we can pick out a little bit of the Greek, it helps us to understand the meaning, and it doesn't get lost in the interpretation. Interesting, grew stronger is one word in the Greek language, and it's a passive word. And it means, really, literally, to receive strength. Paul, we could read this way, but Paul received strength. Paul got stronger. And that is so critical. Paul got stronger. You see, what it tells us is in our Christian faith, it's important for us, after we come to faith in Christ, to grow stronger, to grow day by day by day. In fact, the New Testament makes it clear that when we come to faith, we're just like new babies. We're, we're like spiritual babies. Some of you remember Jimmy Carter, our president, made, made uh, headlines when he talked about being born again. And, and he really, he was quoting what Jesus said in John 3, John's Gospel, you remember? And, and even Jesus said that it's, you're, you're, you're this new creation. When you come to faith, we're like little babies. And we have to start to grow stronger. Every baby, what? A healthy baby, what? Grows stronger. Nothing wrong. I started to do this today, and then I backed out. Nothing wrong, wrong with a baby sitting in a high chair. But it would put, look pretty silly if I... I'm sitting in a high chair. Right? Why? You expect me to grow stronger. The same can be said for our Christian walk. The same can be said for our journey spiritually. We need to grow stronger day by day. We can't just settle in and say, Well, I've been born into the family of God, so now I'm just waiting for heaven. No, 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 no. There's a whole lot of life between here and there. That's our prayer if we have normal life. So we're wanting to know how do we get stronger? How can we progress? How can we grow stronger? Now here's the interesting thing. If you read on in that ninth chapter, and those words may not be up there, Cody, so, but I'm, I'm going to read on anyway. Listen to what the next verse says. It says, After many days had passed, the Jews conspired to kill him. What? Now he's just a brand new baby Christian and already he's got people trying to kill him. But Saul learned of their plot so they were watching the gates day and night intending to kill him. But his disciples took him by night and lowered him in a large basket through an opening in the wall. So Saul immediately has problems. Immediately people are trying to kill him. He has to sneak out of town at night. And then, by the way, when he goes to Jerusalem where he's expecting to be encouraged by believers there... They don't want anything to do with him. Why? Well, yeah, let's not be too hard on them. They're thinking, uh, wait a minute, just days ago you were, you were trying to kill us. You, no, we're not falling for that little, little game. And they don't believe him. And so immediately he goes to church. Now watch this, guys. You're going to love this. He has problem with church people. Well, not church people technically. It was the Jewish people, but it was the followers of Christ. And how many times have I seen that? Way more than I want to, where new believers... New followers of Christ think that everything's going to be rosy. Forget Professor Forrest Gump. 
think everything's going to be great, and then they have trouble with church people, and they're immediately ready to say, we, this is just not worth it. Hang on a minute. Church people are just forgiven sinners. <laughs> Amen. We, we're still not perfect. Anybody, everybody okay with that? Or okay with that? But the good news is Christ has forgiven us. So Paul has to immediately deal with trouble. By the way, if you study the life of Paul, yeah, the same guy we've been talking about for weeks who has this incredible conversion experience, this incredible first experience in Damascus where he receives his sight and where he's baptized and he's accepted by these believers and everything is wonderful and wonderful and perfect. You know, his life is tough. If you read on through the book of Acts and finish out, I don't have time this morning to talk about it. If you finish on through, you know what you find? You find Paul is always struggling. The dude is shipwrecked, right? More than once. He's stoned and left for dead. He's beaten. He's put in jail. He's bitten by snakes. I mean, you name it. He has it happen to him. And finally, by the way, his life ends with this wonderful happy ending where Rome cuts his head off. What happened to our perception? Now, I thought when we came to Christ, everything had a storybook ending. Well, it does in the end. But until we get there, we're often in the fire, we're often in the waters, and we don't need to forget that we're not in the fire alone, and we're not in the water alone. So how do we do it? How do we deal with this? How do we move through it? Well, fortunately, Paul, before he died, before he was executed, as a matter of fact, really just a short time before, while he was in prison waiting to face this trial, he wrote a letter to his apprentice, a young man by the name of Timothy. Timothy was a, man, was a young man who um, Paul decided to mentor and decided to teach and to train up. And, and he wrote a letter, at least two that we have recorded in Scripture. I want to go to the second one, which we call 2 Timothy, and, um, and, and, and read a portion of that letter. Now keep in mind, he's coming to the end of his days. He's wanting to tell some important things to his apprentice, his son in the faith, Timothy. And I want to show you what he writes, because I think what he writes helps us to get it. It helps us to know how we can grow stronger in our faith. Now, let's pick up reading with verse number 10. And uh, I want to read these verses, and, and I'm going to work down all the way to the end of the chapter and, and just kind of unpack it as I go, if that's okay. Um, I, uh, by the way, here's the overall picture that I want you to get before I jump in. Before I get down to just kind of pinpointing this that, here's the overall picture. The truth is, is the only faith that matters is lasting faith. We, we need to come to understand that faith, real faith, lasts. Theologically, we call it perseverance. We persevere to the end. We stay to the end. Even when it looks like we ought to quit. Even when we're struggling, like Gabriel, to get to the finish line. We persevere faith. Only faith that matters is the faith that lasts. Now look what he says beginning in chapter 3, 2 Timothy verse number 10. He says, but you, talking to Timothy, but you have followed my teaching, conduct, purpose, faith, patience, love, and endurance. 
Now, very important, and I, I, I've got to be careful not to stay on any of these too long. I mean, I could dwell on any of these verses for, for much time. But I want you to notice, he says, you have followed my teaching. He, he, he said, I want to remind you that what I'm telling you, you have seen in me. Now, I want to stop there for a minute because I'm afraid I'll forget and not come back to it. And right now, it's on my mind. All of us would do well if we really want to grow strong in our faith, all of us would do well to find a mentor. Timothy looked to Paul as his mentor. Why is a mentor important? Because Paul said, not only am I teaching you this, you saw it in my life. You watched me as I, as I conducted my life. You, you saw me working for my purpose, or in, walking in faith and patience, love. You watched it. You, you not only heard, but you saw. I would encourage you, find a mentor in your life. Every Timothy needs a Paul. And every one of us need a mentor. You say, well, I'm kind of old. Well, guess what? I am too, but I've still got my mentors, people that I look to no way. So, look at number 11. Along with, <coughs> now, now watch this. He said, I thought his life wasn't rosy. Well, hang on. Along with the persecutions and sufferings that came to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra. You can read all those in the book of Acts, and you can see all of those troubles that I mentioned earlier. What persecutions, he said, I endured. I didn't quit. I didn't stop. And yet the Lord rescued me from them all. You see why well, that song was a great song? Some of you are like, I don't like new songs. Hold on. That was a great song. He said, I endured. Why? Because the Lord rescued me from them all. He was in the fire with me. He was in the water with me. Watch this. In fact, all who want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. <laughs> oh, that's encouraging. I'm glad you came today, aren't you? Oh, I came to find out the pastor said, everybody who lives godly is going to be persecuted. I thought it was the other way around. No. No. Jesus said to his disciples, oh, man, I love this passage. I've, been, I've, I've come to it in my mind so many times. Jesus in John 16, just before he, was di before he died, looked at his disciples in the upper room. And you remember how he closed off his time with them? Here's what he said. He said, in this world, you will have trouble thank you I thought when I have trouble it's because God's punishing me can I just set the record straight Jesus took God's punishment of your sin on the cross once for all <laughs> if life is going sour it's not because God is punishing you no 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 the punishment for sin was taken on the cross. There is therefore, Romans 8, no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Now, God disciplines us. I can't wait. I'm pressing for a series on that coming shortly. How God disciplines us and why he disciplines us. But he disciplines us not to punish us, but to teach us. And to grow us stronger. That's the point. And so, all who are in God, Christ Jesus, there's going to be persecution. You can just expect it. I know it's not a popular gospel that I'm preaching right now. I know it's not a popular thing, but I'm telling you, live it out. Check it out. There's trouble. So how do we face it? What do we do with this trouble? Look what he says. Let me read on. Verse 12, uh, 13. Evil people and imposters will become worse 
deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, now he's coming down to it. But for you, Timothy, just know there's going to be trouble, know there's going to be difficulty, know there's going to be people who are going to have all manner of evil and come against you. But as for you, what do you do? How do you endure? How do you persevere? How do you get across the finish line faithfully? As for you, he says, two things. First, continue in what you've learned. Continue in what you've learned. The word continue there is interesting again in the Greek. It is the word meno, not as in a little fish. Meno, M-E-N-O. And you know what? It's the same word that we find in John 15 where Jesus says this. Some of you will remember it. He says, abide in me. Remember that? Abide in me and my words. The word abide, John 15, is guess what? Meno. So what he's saying is, as for you, abide in. That means live in it. That means rest in it. That means embrace it. Abide. We don't use that word a lot today, but you understand the meaning to be at home with, to be comfortable. Abide, stay, remain, continue in what? In what you've learned. You know what you've learned. Now watch this, it's important. He's tying something in here that is necessary for us to grow stronger in our faith, and that is we need to learn. You need to learn things. It's wonderful to love God and love people. That is the first command. That is the great commandment that Jesus said, right? He said of all the commandments, of all the things we're to do, love God, love people. That's clear. But guess what? We also then need to learn to learn. We need to learn. It's good to love, but we need to learn. And then we need to live it out. So here we go. He says we continue in the things that you have learned. Earlier he said, remember who taught you those things. So what things have they learned? He had learned the scriptures. Can I just tell you, if you're going to grow stronger in your faith, if you're going to go stronger in your faith journey, if you're going to persevere... You need to learn what's in this book. That's why I teach it every Sunday. Not a Sunday goes by that we don't teach this book. Why? Well, it's because you're supposed to do in church. No, that's not the reason. The reason is because this is our source of learning, our source of strength. In fact, the Apostle Peter said it this way. He said, as newborn babies. Now, he's not talking about literal babies because he's talking to adults. But he's talking about spiritual babies. As newborn babies, he said, desire the sincere milk of the word. In other words, he says what we need as baby Christians is to feast, to feed on the word of God. See, I really believe this is the word of God. I'll get to it in just a minute. The best is yet to come. I, can't, I ain't even got to the good part yet. Oh yeah, it's all good. Remember, he says, abide in what you've learned. What are you learning? Are you learning? That's why small groups are important. We can learn in small groups. That's why teaching time here is important. We can learn in teaching time. That's why our, our personal time is good because we can learn. Learn. I encourage you to learn this book. Continue the things you've learned. Abide in things you've learned. And, he says, watch this, in what you have learned and firmly believed. Now, here's where it gets interesting. 
Because some of you have learned a lot about that book. But here's my question to you. Have you let that book, what you learned, become what you firmly believe? See, there's a difference, right? It's one thing to learn facts. It's another thing to firmly believe what we learn. See, that takes a process of time, really, doesn't it? It takes a process of time for truth to get from here to here. Not much more than a distance of a foot. But it takes time, doesn't it? Because you see, some things that get up here, that come out of there... Some things about faith that are up here takes a while to sink down because it's just so against the grain of our nature. Right? It's so against the grain of our nature. I mean, after all, the book says that we are to love others and prefer others even to our own needs. What? Is anybody okay with that in the, na in the natural? No, 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 no. That's why I push you out of line if I get a chance. I don't want you to go ahead of me. I want to run ahead of you, right? That's why we do what we do. So sometimes it takes a while to go from here to here. When, when Jesus teaches me, when the book teaches me about generosity, that, that doesn't compute with my nature. I mean, and I consider myself a fairly generous person, but, but to an extent... But this book tells me to move beyond that extent. In fact, it tells me I only to be generous with my money. It tells me to be generous with my words. Well, hold on just a minute. It's one thing to give some cash. <laughs> I'm not going to be too generous with words. I'll tell you the words I want to give them. So it takes a while to go from here to here. But he says, remember, growing stronger is first learning, getting the truth here, and then letting the truth from here sink down into our heart to where I firmly believe it. Now, that's pretty big. You know those who taught you, he says. You can trust him. Why? Because it was his mother and his grandmother, you remember? And it was Paul. And then he goes on. I love this. Verse 15. He says, and you know that from infancy you have known the sacred scriptures which are able to give you wisdom for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. In other words, he says, you, this wisdom is able to give you the strength to keep moving. Man, I'm tempted to stay there, but I only got a couple minutes. I want to finish up in these last verses. Look what the next verse says. He says, all scripture, <laughs> all scripture, Right? We, you know what scripture? All of your, your, your Bible, right? All scripture is inspired by God. Inspired by God. Now, I, this is not a Greek class, but there's, it happens that the Greek helps us a lot in this passage. And the Greek really helps us here because the Greek is literally God-breathed. God breathed. And I think, you know why I think that's important? Because I think sometimes this word inspire that we use today can be seen in a lot of ways, right? You can say, oh, that movie inspired me to do better. Gabrielle, her, her finishing that race inspired me to keep running. That's one use of the word. But this word goes deeper. This word is God breathed. It's a combination of, of breath and God and put together 
This is not just an inspiration that God was inspired when he saw you. No, this is the breath of God, the very word of God. You say, Pastor, I don't know if I'm ready to believe that or not. I understand. And I understand there's a lot of people that struggle with that today. But I'm just telling you what I believe and what I've come to find out and come to understand. That this is God's word. That's how it can sustain you. That's how it can strengthen you. Otherwise, it's just an inspired writing like a Shakespeare or anybody else. But this word feeds our soul. And then he tells us about this. He says, all scripture is inspired by God. And now he tells you why we should chew on it. Why we should eat it. Why we should remain in it. Why we should abide in it. I love this. Look what he says. It's profitable. How is it profitable? He mentions four things. For teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, and for training in righteousness. Isn't that cool? Now, I heard, a, guy, I heard a, uh, a pastor say this one day in a way that just helped me to always remember it. And I, I'm going to give it to you, even though I can't cite him and give him credit because I don't remember who it was. important thing, though, is help me remember this passage of Scripture. Here's what he said. He said, those four words, teaching, rebuking, correcting, training, might be thought of this way. Teaching what is right. We learn what is right. Rebuking what is not right. Right? We learn, first of all, what is right, what is not right. Correcting how to get right. And instruction how to stay right. Now, that pretty much sums up what this book will do for you. It'll teach you what is right. It'll teach you what is not right. It'll teach you, it'll correct you when you're not right. And it will sustain you to stay right. I'm telling you, this book is incredible. And this book, our Bible, is our source of strength. How do I know that? Look at the next verse, at the final verse. He says, so that. Stay in this, abide in the scripture, abide in this word. Why? So that the man of God or the woman of God, no matter, so that the man of God may be complete. Complete. The word there is mature. The idea there is mature. Complete. That the man of God may be mature equipped for every good work we might say equipped for everything that comes our way this word is designed this word is given that you and I can grow strong and grow into maturity and be prepared for everything comes our way so we never never have to quit wow I don't know about you but that's powerful to me it's powerful to me when I consider the need to grow stronger here's what I want to leave you with here's a thought that I just think is so important to leave you with and I think worth your seeing standing strong later starts with growing strong now if you want to stand strong later when the wind blows, start growing strong now. 
Someone said, I wrote this down in my notes as I was looking back over it this morning. Uh, somebody said this, the decision to finish well begins with a commitment to arduous training a month ahead, a week ahead, a year ahead. I thought that is so right. We make a decision now to finish strong later. We build up. How many months did Gabrielle work for that marathon? No wonder she wanted to finish. But I remember too that that word grow strong is passive. That is, not only are there disciplines that we must actively pursue, but passively we must allow the Holy Spirit of God to work in our lives to strengthen us daily. One more story and I'm done. His name was Paderewski. He was a Polish pianist, concert pianist. Paderewski took the world by storm and eventually made it to the United States where he was the first pianist to solo at Carnegie Hall. He later filled Madison Square Garden and the world knew about this great concert pianist. Maybe you've heard this story. There's one story that's told of him. It's one of my favorites all time. Paderewski had been over in Europe, and he had been advancing in his causes there in Europe, but he decided to make one last tour in the U.S., and so he came over to the U.S., and he filled the halls once again. He was on a West Coast swing when this story's told. It's said that Paderewski was backstage before the concert began, and somehow there was a family there, a young family there, with a little boy, eight, nine years old. And somehow, as eight, nine-year-old boys will do, he wandered off and got away from mom and dad and wandering around. And somehow, drawn, drawn to the grand piano on the stage, he makes his way up on the stage. And he sits down at the piano, Paderewski's piano, I wish I had the, the keyboard set up. He started playing chopsticks. Everybody know what chopsticks is? If you don't, you haven't had a child learn to play piano. Drive you crazy, right? Chopsticks. Just a little dun 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 dun. Just, and the little kids start, and, and the people are like, they're beginning to rumble. They're, they're, they're beginning to talk. They're beginning to murmur. I, I know what they're doing, right? You know what they're doing? They're saying, whose kid is that? Why, how did that kid get up there? Won't somebody control their child? I know you've heard them. They're thinking all that. Paderewski in the background hears the murmuring as well. Slips on his coat, his tux coat. Walks out to the piano. Looks at the little boy playing chopsticks and comes behind him and whispers in his ear, keep playing. And he begins to ad-lib on the piano and begins to play along with the chopsticks of the little boy. All the while saying to him, son, don't stop, <laughs> don't stop. Because now the jeers have turned to clapping. And then the clapping begins to turn to applauding. And the applauding is building. And Paderewski saying, don't quit, don't quit, don't quit, don't quit. Don't stop, don't stop. <laughs> I tell you, it was one of my favorite stories. Because there's been times in my life and in my journey when, frankly, 
I felt like my chopsticks weren't going very far. And if anything, it was just getting murmuring from the crowd. But I could hear my Heavenly Father saying, Don't quit. Don't stop. Don't quit. But Lord, I'm not sure it's worth this. I thought things were supposed to be better if. I thought life would be okay if. You don't know how hard this is. Don't quit. Don't quit. Keep playing. Keep playing. I want to keep playing to the end. I may stagger across the line. I may be beleaguered when I cross the line. But I want to cross the line. So my thought to you as we finish this chapter 2 series, and you think about your Christian journey, your faith walk, the biggest thing I think I could leave you with is don't stop. Don't quit. Keep playing. Finish strong. Train well. Run well. Finish strong. Pray with me, would you? Every head bowed. Every eye closed. So, Lord, I thank you. I do thank you for the time you've given us this morning. I thank you for your word that is so strong, so powerful. has something for us in every season of life in the good times and the bad times in the easy days and the hard days the fun times and the troubling times Lord thank you for whispering into our ear this morning don't quit I'm pretty sure this morning Lord that you've whispered that into somebody's ear today And I thank you for it. So God, I pray that we would find ourselves disciplined, training well, running well as we look to your word for strength, to your spirit for strength, to your people for strength, to prayer for strength. God, I pray for my friends here this morning. That God, you would strengthen us for the race that is set before us and remind us to look to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, every day of our lives. Now, some are here this morning, and you've never. You've never made a decision to follow Christ. Maybe you've been struggling with that these last few weeks. And maybe we talked about telling your story last week and you thought, I don't have a story. You can come to faith in Christ today. You can come face to face with Jesus, repent of your sins, place your faith in Him. And watch him change your life. Having somebody with you in the fire, in the water, in the race. Always encouraging, pressing. 
invite you to do that today simply by praying and asking Jesus to forgive you of your sin to take control of your life and surrendering your all to him today so God whatever you want to do in this moment we invite you to do in Jesus name Amen.